Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh the second. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome into a busy Tuesday. I'm good to go. Hope you guys are as well. I want to thank Greg Rakestraw in here yesterday, doing the job for me on a Monday. And uh, fantastically, as always, you are in great hands whenever Greg is in studio. And Greg was in here with you yesterday from 3 until 6. And thank you to Greg and thank you to James. And thank you all for continuing to listen each and every day, Monday through Friday, right here. Because we're kind of the calm before the storm. And I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. Every time it storms, there's no calmness here, right? Okay, we have a storm now, and it's going to be with hail and some... Remember, he just had storms. It was like thunder, maybe some lightning, some heavy rain, and then he got the hell out of Dodge. And now it's, it's going to be like Twister every single time around here, seemingly. But no, it is the call before the storm in terms of where we are in the month of July. So we are about set to get going in terms of the cold season. Yeah, I've got a lot to talk about regarding that coming up in a bit. See, I look around this whole deal nationally, and everybody made light yesterday. Everybody had their, their opinions, and most of them are, well, if you're a running back, you can't whine about it. That's the way that it is. Or, hey, you better learn how to throw a pass because, you know, if you're a running back, blah, 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 whatever all this jackassery is being said. Let me tell you, you have to listen to how this position affects the Colts. As I've told you all along, this is drastically different. And I don't care what you have to say regarding the Giants and they were a playoff team a year ago. It is different. They don't have a 13 basically in his lifetime starting quarterback. And I'm not just caring about this year. I'm caring about next year and the foreseeable future. They don't have an offense that a year ago that had a really good running back as a part of it. It is different here than it is anywhere else. And I understand nationally, you're not going to bring it up right now because the Colts aren't interesting enough to bring up. And that's going to be about you know, Pollard is going to be about Barkley. It's been about Cook. It's been about Eckler. 
And the Colts just aren't interesting enough right now to bring it up. And if I told you this before, that's why you don't need a lot of national crap. Because national crap only happens when, you know, your elite level, so-called elite level quarterback retires five seconds before the start of the season. Or when, you know, you complain about a football that doesn't have enough air in it. That's about it. Well, unless you have Peyton Manning and you consistently win. You know, that's the other value that you have in terms of national people embracing you. But right now, there's just not that. But consistently speaking, it is just different here. And and, and that, that should be, to me, that should be the focus here. It doesn't matter where else is going on. Like when people tell you, well, that's just the market value of the wide receiver. Or check that, the market value of the running back. Well, the market value of a good, dependable running back here, considering the circumstances, considering what you want out of your quarterback, the development that you want out of your quarterback, the development you want about your newly installed offense with Mr. Allball being Shane Steichen, calling the plays, being the coach. You know, obviously, assuming it's going to look a hell of a lot like it looked in Philadelphia. Seems like you better have, again, given the circumstances, a ready-made weapon behind him. It's just different. It is different here. Yeah, market value. The market value to me here is more for him than it would be anyplace else. I'm just trying to give the guy a bunch of money. But I just think this offense is in need of somebody like that. And not just, you know, win a game here or there, but for the maturation, the evolution of the quarterback position that everybody around here hopes is going to be one of these days of a superstar type of status. We talk about it all the time. Well, you got to give him all these wide receivers. I mean, hell, I bring it up more than anybody else does. Got to bring them all in here. And there's no doubt. But I'm just saying, in this case, you've got to give this dude as much help as possible. Given where he is and where normally quarterbacks are coming out that are, for example, taking number four overall. Where they are as to being ready. That's just the way that it is. I mean, people say, well, that's the way that it is with the running back. They're not wrong, but neither am I. That's the way that it is here. And we live here. We talk about here. You care about it here. And here is where it matters. May not matter in Minnesota. May not at this point in time matter in New York. Everybody's up in arms. Everybody always wants to bring up, well, if you've seen the last however many Super Bowl champions and and look in which the round that their running backs have been drafted, okay, yeah, great comparison right there. Let me tell you, the Colts aren't close to being in that type of comparison. Not close. I don't know. I'm looking. One of these days, hopefully he is, but I'm looking right now. I don't know. I I don't see real good, but I don't think that's Patrick Mahomes right there, is it? Maybe that's a problem with me. Well, you know, Kansas City didn't need this. Well, you know they don't. 
Hopefully, one of these days, the Colts are in a similar situation. One of these days, further down the road, similar situation where you can go ahead and not be dependent upon a guy that, like Edwards Hilaire, I forget what happened to him a year ago, but you're not dependent on a guy that you draft highly. Now, you can be dependent on a a six-rounder. You know, you're not necessarily in need of a 1,000-yard receiver. You can put them all together and know that you have the best quarterback going and the best tight end going and a really good defense and move forward. You know, one of these days around here, you should strive for that. But you know what? That's not tomorrow. That's not next week. That's not in a month. That's not in a year. And honestly, you got to look at this as two years, too. So that's where we are. Rest of the world, not so much. The rest of the NFL, not so much. And again, I'm not trying to put value in a position that has been so devalued that we're having this conversation in the first place. I'm just saying, all right, you're worth what you are within a market. Well, this market is going to be different. Well, you know what? Chris Ballard screwed it up when he did this and he did that. Okay. Understand. (laughs) I've been here for the last six years. So have you. I think we know what's been screwed up. But that doesn't take away the fact that you have a dude that has, what, had 13 games under his belt? Going into the NFL? Somebody you want to bring along in a smart, I don't want to say delicate, that's the wrong thing to say, but a smart, understanding type of fashion. But at the same time, you don't want this thing to take forever. And how do you do that? You have others around him that can play a little bit. Remember, that used to be the mantra of this. You know, we're going to make this. we got to be deep at this position and deep at all these positions and too deep that, depth on the roster. Whatever the hell happened to that? That just poof went away. The value here is different than it is anywhere else. It's the way you look at it. That's the way that you look at it. But I know you guys have been hit over the head with that, and I'm I'm understanding of that, certainly. And this is not going to go away. And we'll have plenty of time, and obviously I'll listen to what you have to say about it, read what you have to say about it. But make no mistake, we are different. I think we say that often about a lot of things, but we are certainly different now. And in terms of if you want to see this football team be different, And how you view wins and losses sooner rather than later, you better make sure that you have as much support as possible. Meaning, and nothing against him, I'm not quite sure that I would recommend like Devin Singletary, for example. And people want to say, well, what about Marlon Mack? Well, what about Marlon Mack? That wasn't the case with the Colts when Marlon Mack was here. Yeah, he got hoes. I'm sure those guys put up numbers. And again, it was according to their market value. But this market's different than other ones right now. Hopefully the Colts are looking at it that way. Again, I'm not expecting them to go out and go, okay, well, here's a check that needs your endorsement. You just go ahead and fill out how much it is and we'll move forward. Now, I'm sure that there's going to be a great deal of debate some negotiation but simply put the value here the market value here is different than it is anywhere else it makes no difference about a playoff team or not 
Hey, I want I want to see them win some games. It'd be great. But more so than anything else, I want to see that quarterback position evolve with this offense, with what is necessary. And you bring up all the time. The offensive line's got to be better. No blank. Hey, you got to have wide receiver depth. No blank. Then how can you leave out a guy like Jonathan Taylor? He is clearly the most effective, the most talented of the offensive players that you have. He does not get left out. And again, it's different here than it is anywhere else. Plenty of time to discuss that if you like. I thought about this long and hard over the weekend. I thought about it long and hard because I live, I I tend to live as vicariously as possible in the moments. And don't get me wrong. I love the past. I will dig on the past. And when I can go back there and get my thoughts by design with the past, I'll do it. But as a fan of a really bad team, which some of you have been embracing around here recently, but as a fan of a really bad team, and again, it's different for me because I, I talk about the Colts, talk about the Pacers, and you know, it's not so much I'm going out there. I'm not rah-rahing for these guys. I, I do because I can for the Reds. And what did I tell you? I said back in June, for that month-long period, embrace it all right now. Got to embrace the embraceables. Because this could go away in a matter of moments. I mean, they're winning in the final at bats. You know, being down, coming back, getting crappy pitching. And arguably the most timely hitting, at least over a month-long period in Major League Baseball. And basically, since that final game before the All-Star break, that has completely disappeared. And really, the pitching has been a lot better. You know, not so much the bullpen is still incredibly suspect, but they have gotten good pitching. If you look at the numbers, they've gotten good pitching for the most part. They've gotten good pitching, but so has the other team that they're playing. You know, Milwaukee obviously did. Well, it's San Fran last night before that game got suspended with Logan Webb. You know, other than giving up that game tire to Jonathan India, you know, he pitched really well. But, yeah, I mean, I think that you would have taken this level of Reds pitching coming out of the All-Star break, but you just didn't think that this offense was going to get flushed down the toilet in the fashion in which it has. And as I told you, It's on the brink. This is not, this is far from a complete team. You got to take those winnable moments and embrace them. I know, I know everybody else wants to tell you that, well, you're just a fanboy when you do that. Nah, nobody's getting the benefit of the doubt. I'm just saying for so many years of watching futility, then if you want to go ahead and really sink in to one month of fun-loving baseball with a team, then I'm going to go ahead and give you the heads up to do just that. You should, in fact. And hopefully you did. Because just as quickly... As that thing evolved into a fun, loving, nightly, I'm paying attention, I care again type of red season, you can kind of see where this thing hopefully isn't going but could be going. 
Because everything is like all of a sudden the, the script has been flipped so far in the second half. And again, yeah, we're talking about a series with Milwaukee. And we're talking about a starter last night and then another game on top of that, I'm assuming, later on tonight with the Giants. Now, the problem that you have for the Reds, this is their longest homestand of the season, and they are off to a crappy start. Uh, The other problem with the Reds is they have, and, you know, I don't blame you, they have set a level of expectations for themselves that clearly may be too early. Again, it could end up being so much like the Pacers in December that it's weird. Remember the expectations? What the hell was I talking about then? Has the plan changed? Are they going to go after somebody at the All-Star break? Check that. At the trade deadline? What are they going to do? Are they going to be buyers now? Remember all that jackassery conversation we were having then? Again, it comes with the territory. Because it's been a while since you... As Pacer fans, it's been a while, certainly, since you as Reds fans have seen consistent winning. And certainly fun fun basketball, fun baseball. But you just kind of wait for it. Because that's a tough way to live right there. Right? Unbalanced in baseball in an incredibly long season is a tough slide. You have to be so incredibly fortunate to have that survive and so far not so good here in the second half now again I don't necessarily believe that makes us if we expected it or waited on it I don't think that it makes us a schlep rock I just think it makes us livable in a moment that was really fun and you just know that winning like that playing like that just logically speaking, is not going to remain consistent. Man, if it does, let's just say, for example, they just say, hey, old man and Indy, why don't you shut up? Uh, we're going to take this, because when do they start here? At about five something? That suspended game tied it to. I know Frisco's got a couple of runners on, second, third, nobody out. So it's a really bad situation for a team that has struggled out of the gate in the second half offensively if you like the Reds, and also struggled in terms of the bullpen. But at the same time, let's just say they do. They can just, you know, tell me to go to hell or whatever. But you just did kind of sit back and you waited on it. That's why you got to embrace the good stuff when it happened. I don't know. Maybe that makes you a little bit more prevalent to having, you know, overwhelming negativity when things take a slide because during a long baseball season, that's just going to happen. But man, you got to roll with it when it happens. Because logically speaking, it's going to take you a different direction. And out of the gate here in the second half, my Reds fans out there, it has certainly done that. And, you know, I, I just hate to say it. You just it, Stuff catches up with you. I just don't know how you can be that fortunate. And there still are many holes in that roster. I just don't want to downplay how much fun, how significant that month has been. But believe me, you probably as well kind of sat back and you waited on a little bit right there too. So should be of no surprise.
You know, I saw this a little bit earlier, too. It appears that Benedict Matherin is going to be at the Dizzy Runs Pro-Am tonight. It's a 7.45 game. I don't know how much he's going to play if he – I don't even know if he can. I'm assuming he can. I don't know how that works. Uh, regardless, though, I do love the fact – and, you know, one of these days, you know, if somebody goes out and he gets injured, you know, doing this in a non-pace or whatever – I don't know how I feel about that. I don't want to see the dude get injured, but I love the fact that this guy just wants to play. Am I coming on too strong with that? I mean, should that just come with the territory anyway? You know, guy clearly is going to make a lot of money as a professional basketball player. Shouldn't he want to play all the time? I don't know. I just I love the fact that Matherin, it just seems like if somebody's dribbling to basketball and maybe they can, you know, size up five on one side, five on the other, he'd be willing to play. I do. I have a great deal of admiration for that. Great deal. But evidently he is going to be up. Is that uh, Mojo? Making sure I get that at the right spot tonight. The Dizzy Runs Pro-Am, I believe that is the Mojo Up location in Noblesville. But there's something to it. He likes it, likes it a lot, and I dig that. Hopefully you do as well. Uh, we can hit that if you guys like. Kristen Aries is going to join me at the 4 o'clock hour. We'll give a recap to what took place over the course of the Vegas Summer League. Certainly for the Pacers. Uh, the winner, by the way, was the Cleveland Cavaliers. And a shout-out, by the way, to Terre Haute South and Vincennes standout. Craig Porter was on that Cavaliers championship team. Did you guys see him play? Craig Porter of Terre Haute and Terre Haute South. So good for him. We'll talk to Chris Denary about that coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Jake, since I was not on yesterday, Jake's going to join me coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Greg Rakestraw, who was in yesterday, is going to join me per usual coming up here at the bottom of the hour. All right, 239-1070 is the number. James, anything this week? What we got in front of us? Uh, in terms of tickets? Yeah. Nothing. We're zeroed. We're zero. See, I hate to say it last week because I opened my big yap, and then like the next day we got Farm Aid. So we are literally going into this week with nothing, nada, jack squat. Absolutely nothing as far as I can see. Well, it is just unfortunate as hell right there. I'd be doing something for the peoples out there. Hey, by the way, too, shout out to Daniel Bryant and his daughter Peyton. I saw all the pictures via Twitter. I talked to the Gorman a little bit earlier. Gorman met him in Boston. He VIP'd him up like crazy. I know that Peyton, Daniel's daughter, got the set list, and evidently it was a smashingly fantastic time at the TD Garden on Saturday night with the Jim Ursay collection. Job well done. Now that's a contest right there. Fire that bad boy up. Just from Gorman, or actually from Ursay to Gorman to me to you. But they had a great time this weekend. And a shout-out to them. 
Uh, JR says, I think most diehard Reds fans were waiting for the wheels to fall off. Okay. Um, JR, I will say this. I don't know if I were, were waiting for it. I just I celebrated stuff that I guess consistently winning programs, groups, teams, organizations wouldn't because there has been such an incredible lack of being able to celebrate Jack Squad over the years. And you know what? If that's me and I'm guilty, then guilty is charged. I'm going to celebrate that thing. But the wheels do look like, because a lot of things that they did and were so noteworthy that they did in that first half have not been the case early on out of the gate. And as I mentioned, too, we talked about this before the All-Star break. They go Milwaukee, San Fran, maybe Arizona, then Milwaukee again, and then the Dodgers. Whatever the case, they have a road post-All-Star break that is extremely difficult. And if it's going to bite you in the ass, it will, schedule-wise. And it is right now. Is that Daniel Bryant with me? Oh, hold on one second. Before I hit a break, I want to get him on. Daniel, as I mentioned, Daniel and his daughter, Peyton, attended the Jim Irsay Collection Show at TD Garden in Boston as a part of a trick a trip giveaway that we did uh, with Jeffrey Gorman last week. And Daniel's in with us before we hit this break. How was it? Uh, Gorman was not messing with me, JMV. It was priceless. That's great. I love to hear uh, that. Yeah, just what an experience. First class all the way. Uh, music was phenomenal. Just Everything about the whole experience, man. Can't thank Jim Ursay, the Ursay Collection, you guys over at the radio station, JMV, your show, uh, Jimmy Cook, all you guys, man. You guys just awesome job. Thank you so much. It was a great experience. Peyton had the time of her life. That's fantastic. Um, I'm sure you could see by the pictures the smile on her face. <laughs> yeah. Her jaws had to hurt uh, Sunday flying home. Well, uh, I, I saw that, that she had a hold of a set list. Did she get the set list off the stage? She got the set list. Nice. Uh, she got the guitar or the uh, drumstick what? from Kenny Arnoff, Arnoff at the end of the night as well. Nice. Too, so. Arnoff's a good dude too, man. That's well done. Peter Wolf tried to kiss her, I think, at one point during the show, but you know, <laughs> you'll have that. <laughs> Did he think that it was Angel in a centerfold or something like that? What were we doing here? <laughs> he was uh, the. He, the it was unique. I'll say that uh, Peter Wolf was great, though. So, you know, what's, those... what's it feel like when Peter Wolf makes a pass at your daughter, Daniel? What's that feel like? Uh, yeah, I it, I was gonna try one of his dance moves and do the <laughs> kick. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, buddy, congratulations, congratulations to Peyton, and we are so glad. I was talking to Gorman a little bit earlier today, and I said, brother, you could not have found two better folks to represent on that trip like that. Well done. Thank you, guys. Awesome, awesome job. Seriously, appreciate you guys over there, man. You're the best. You got it, Daniel. Stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, Daniel Bryant and his daughter Peyton, who evidently got hit on by Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles Band. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a giveaway right there that's what we're about moments like that family moments like that especially on the road in boston with the jim ursay collection and thanks to jim ursay thanks to the gore man 
And uh, Daniel and Peyton, congratulations on that. Query, Denary, Greg Rakestraw, all coming up on a busy Tuesday. Quick break, we'll come back inside the lounge via YouTube Live, HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And again, shout out to Daniel Bryant and Peyton for the Jim Mersey collection experience over the weekend in Boston. By the way, I believe I'll have more opportunities for you guys on that front. I'll keep you updated. Chris Denary in the 4 o'clock hour. Chris is a grandfather for the second time. Queries in the 5 o'clock hour on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now. Did a great job in for me yesterday, as he usually does. He is Greg Rakestraw, who joins us now. So uh, Jack inside the lounge here says, can you ask Greg about the Indy 11 and the uh, women hosting the national championship this weekend? Tell Jack about that. I certainly will. But first of all, hello, how are you? And I hope to goodness that you weren't listening on your day off, that you took three hours and did something else with your life and weren't listening to the show i did not i did yeah i did i did not i didn't listen to anything uh well i did i listened to uh 1979 american top 40 july 1979 (laughs) and and, uh i listened to july 1983 american top 40 i listened to two that's the most JMB way to spend a day off I've ever heard. <laughs> While you were mowing your grass, I'm assuming, is yeah. what you were doing yesterday. It was very, very, very impressive right there. I was singing Sad Eyes a lot of the time yesterday and you know, wondering, what was I doing whenever this song was number 10 in 1979? So, yeah, I often hearken back to what I was doing when this, this actually first time took place, too. And it's also cool, sometimes you get a long-distance dedication and you'll hear it from the state of Indiana. That's pretty sweet. You, you think you actually know the people? Like, they are still together, like, 44 years later. Like, well, I know those guys. They made it. There is uh, one from the early 80s where um, it was the long-distance dedication was from Lagoti. Very nice. Very <laughs> yeah, nice. Indeed. Now, to, to, before I steered you in a different direction, I answer Jack's question. Yeah. Yes, the Indy 11 women are playing in and are hosting the W League Championship. Uh, that will be at Carroll Stadium at 2 o'clock. And the uh, ticket for the men's game on Saturday night gets you into the women's game. Or if you buy a ticket for the women's game, you get to sit around and watch the men's game as they play Tampa Bay at 7 o'clock. So, John, you were out there for, uh, I know, some of the yeah. uh, undrafted stuff and kind of before the last women's regular season game a couple, three weeks ago. There are 65 teams in the league. They're in the final two. They are hosting the North Carolina Courage who play in the NWSL, they have a U23 or a college-based team, which is also what, like, Racing Louisville has that, that we have played a couple of times over the course of this year. So um, it's, it's not exclusively players from Central Indiana, but as I kind of rattled off yesterday on the show, in the starting 11, there are players that attended Zionsville, Noblesville, Rebuff Jesuit, Carmel, Delta, Triton Central, amongst others, 
not to mention players like Maddie Williams, who lives here, who played at Purdue, who happens to be from Perrysburg, Ohio, and frankly, she's a pro-level player who happens to uh, make a full-time living as an engineer and still has the competitive itch to play soccer after she had played professionally in uh, Netherlands and, and in Spain. So it, it, there, it's really a high quality, and, and luckily, fingers crossed it stays this way, the forecast looks absolutely fantastic for Saturday afternoon. And no doubt you need that. Greg Raystraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The other thing I wanted to ask you, I thought of it as you were talking right there. Have they started now in progress of the the facility that they're building down that's going to take the place of Diamond Chain? So I literally just happened to drive by. Let's see. I was, I was, going, to the, I was going to Decatur Central for yeah. the All-Star Game Friday, so I was driving by Kentucky Avenue. Uh, I'm not sure if they have started kind of the teardown process just yet. All that I see is the signs that say 11 Park is coming soon. So kind of their timeline has always been at some point in time in 2025 um, to get the men's season kicked off to where they're just playing there and not playing at IUPUI, that would be April of 2025. The women's team will bump up and play in a in – a, soon-to-be-created professional league called the Super League. The league itself starts next August. Indy has is hoping to play in August of 2025. And typically it has been kind of a two-year turn in terms of building a soccer-only facility. So hopefully things are starting to come down soon. Shovels really go on the ground. I know we have the groundbreaking ceremony on May 31st. Hopefully that stuff starts to happen. And, again, the first kind of goal will be to have it ready for April 2025. I still think there's time for that to be the case. He is uh, Greg Rakestraw, who was kind enough to be in for me yesterday. He joins us today via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This story broke, I think, late yesterday. I'm assuming you probably talked about this a little bit. And it seems like you and others that are certainly more in the know at the high school level than the average fan of either IU or Purdue, it seemed like those in the know were, were much less surprised of the Flory Badunga Final Four list than maybe some fans were yesterday, correct? Yeah, it, it just never seemed that IU was serious in the mix. I thought Purdue was a little more seriously in the mix than IU was. I tell you, I'm slightly surprised that Purdue didn't make its Final Four. But I know in, in talking with those that I was around, say for the Indiana Kentucky All-Star Week, of which Flory was a part of it, kind of around being in the Pangos All-American camp, you know, Michigan had been prominently mentioned. Duke had been prominently mentioned. Uh, obviously, Bruce Pearl has, has spent time and money, and let's not lie about this. There are now resources that are involved that's yeah. legal and above the board at this point, which right. is why, you know, Auburn being a part of it. Auburn, know, and and Auburn's really good at that for a long time. Some may be yeah. starting at, at square one. Auburn is not one of those programs in anything probably that has. Exactly right. So um, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, but again, I, I, I have – such belief in the kid, and he's so likable uh, that I'm kind of like, hey, listen, and any kid has the right to play wherever they want to. I always hope they they elect to stay locally, uh, especially knowing how good his experience has been at Kokomo over these last couple of years. But it's his right to say, you know what, I, w- I want to go someplace else. And, and that obviously appears that's going to be the case. Yeah. So I, I, it just kind of seemed like to me, Greg, that the, the guys like you and you're around it all the time, others that are around it all the time, did not seem as surprised as both IU no. and Purdue fans felt they were yesterday. 
And, and again, like I said it just it just never seemed that there was really a connection between he and, and Mike Woodson's staff, and that's not pointing a finger or blaming anybody. It just kind of didn't work out that way. Um, again, Purdue had invested, I thought, a little more time and, and effort, and, and obviously given their track record of landing so many of the best bigs in this state, you thought maybe there was a chance that that – that would continue here, but whatever reasons didn't work out. Did you have much recollection? The reason why I bring this up is because he was a part of that Cleveland team that just won the summer league title. You have much recollection of Craig Porter that attended Terre Haute South and Vincennes? I do, uh, and he would have been around, I think, kind of at the same time as Jalen Minette. I think Minette would have been a year or two older than him. Um, but you know, Craig went the Vincennes route and then went. Out to Wichita State, uh, but but Jalen got so much of the headlines as an All Star level player. But you know, I, I think of our buddy Rick Semler out there who would always sing you know Craig's praises. And this is this happens a lot. I mean, and the ultimate example I give is a guy like Jack Doyle with the Colts. You know, there are always guys that make it, and you go, yeah, I expected that guy to be a great player. Other guys that go, man, I didn't see that coming. Maybe Porter was that guy. Um, he was a very good high school player. But he wasn't the guy on his high school team. But there are guys that, you know, they're frankly going to, you know, work their way into an, an opening or a chance like that. And I hope what he did in the summer league springs him onto a, a significant chance at, at, at playing and sticking in the NBA. It seems like this. You get both, or at least in the past, you've gotten both of those aspects as you just, I think so eloquently described you get the you know maybe not number one on your team but worked ass off and got really good or maybe you get somebody that's number one on the team that still has to take care of a lot of other aspects um to grow as a player Vincennes has historically speaking got a lot of those types of players of course and obviously you know, it's not fun. You know, if you're in Terre Haute, it's easy to go across across the state line and go play at Lincoln Trail or Olney or inserting one of the you know twenty something junior college programs in the state of Illinois. Uh, but if you're going to play the JUCO route here in this state, you're going to have Vincennes. They kind of have the market cornered, you know, really at this juncture. Um, but to me, Craig's story, obviously, Vincennes plays a part of it. But it's just kind of you know desire and want to, and maybe the guy that that for whatever reason. He, he, he popped into my head, and, and you, I'm assuming, know him well from your ties to Paramaridian, Andre Owens. You know, Andre was a great high school player. Andre was at IU, ended up at Texas Tech. I don't think anybody thought he'd be playing for the Pacers a handful of years later, but there he was, and, and he's still hooping in places like yeah. the City League and, and played overseas and things like that. There are, there are a certain handful of, of players that are just blessed by the Lord above, and they have such natural talent. And, and the, the difference in the guys below that is who's going to work the hardest and who's going to believe the most. And I kind of get the indication that Porter's one of those guys that's going to, that's going to work until the end, that's going to believe until the end, and is going to keep playing until somebody takes the jersey off. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up Perry Meridian, too, because Dylan Windler was like that. He played on an AEU team that was showcased in Vegas. And at the time, I think he was maybe four or five, you know, deep in that starting lineup. And, and Rick Bird and Belmont hard targeted him just by watching other dudes and, you know, gave him a, a great collegiate career that has been certainly NBA wise often injured, but uh, a kickstart as a first round pick of the NBA. It is funny how things tend to happen like that. 
And and the guy that then that translates to now, because Belmont obviously identifies a certain type of player and says, hey, that's the guy that can play for us. Sam Ormond is down there now from Carmel. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam, Sam's best shooting year might have been a sophomore year, probably because he was asked to do less as a sophomore and, and the players he had around him as, as a junior and then a senior. But now that he is going back to a situation where – you know, he's, he's not necessarily has to be Batman. He can kind of be more of a Robin, especially as a freshman. If he if, if that stroke is going, he can put up some big numbers. And even though it's not Rick Bird's team anymore, it's still Rick Bird's system. And I think that kid's a perfect fit down in Music City. Here's Greg Rakestraw with us. I, did you see any of what Joey Hart at all did playing, really for the first time, obviously, with, with Kentucky in uh, that tournament with Canada over the weekend? Did you see any of that? Other than knowing he had a chance to play and saw some pictures fly by on social media, I got to admit to you that other than following Brandon Ramsey on Twitter, there's not exactly a lot of Kentucky basketball <laughs> interaction I usually have Understand. during the course of the summer. But I did see that he did get to play, and you know, I think if somebody had said you know three months ago, "Hey, this kid's going to play at the University of Kentucky," I'm not sure most would have believed you. I realize these games don't count, but good for him that he's getting an opportunity and he can go make the most of it. Yeah, I just – I think most people would have thought, yeah, I mean, I, how the opportunity even came about. And you can understand why, you know, obviously he was going to Central Florida, which was transitioning into the Big 12, um, and then all of a sudden decided to uh, reopen, and Kentucky was the reason why he decided to reopen ultimately. And, and, again, I wish him nothing but the best. Do I, do I worry about that being level being maybe a bit much for him? I absolutely do. Uh, but I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that kid's right. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does great things down in Lexington. All right. As a Reds fan, did you uh, celebrate enough over the past month to make up for knowing kind of where this thing was going to be steered to at some point with the remainder of the season? Weight of expectations. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, it's funny. We have been over the moon about what being six games above five hundred. Yeah. If you had said, you know, thirty days ago, hey, the Reds will be in first place at the All Star break, we wouldn't have believed you. And and that's exactly how it played out. And now, and they're kind of coming back to earth a little bit, and and that's understandable. Um, but they're still in it with less than seventy games to go. They're all with two games back, and they're hovering on a wild card berth. Um, yeah, there are question marks, and yes, they are young. And, and frankly, there's this thing, John, called videotape. It's all on hard drives now. But once you take enough at-bats, there's kind of some, some tape and some scouting that goes, all right, this is, I think, where we can get this guy out. So um, it, it, there's going to be some growing pains. But the fact the Reds are above 500, competing for a division championship, and, John, I think they've had like 16 players make their MLB debut this year. That number is astronomical. That no, that number is one that I think would be associated with like like the A's being in last place, not a team that's competing for first place. Place so um, they're they're still far ahead of anything we could have ever dreamed approaching the hundred game mark. What you got going on this weekend? Well, what I got going on this weekend is all Indy Eleven soccer. So now with the Indy Eleven women playing Saturday, I've got a doubleheader on Saturday. So. 2 o'clock, ISC Sports Network and 11 Sports for the W League Championship match. Then 7 o'clock on RTV6 and ESPN Plus for the Indy 11 men versus the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I love it if you're able to watch both broadcasts. I'd love it even more if you fill Carroll Stadium for both of those matches. So one ticket gets you into both. 
pay to park once, don't leave. Uh, it is an uh, it's an amazing deal. Indy11.com, 317-685-1100 for ticket information. Man, thanks again for yesterday, too, Greg. And it's always a pleasure to have you on every Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Give me a call Saturday night. I apologize for not calling this Saturday night. I was doing baseball in Logansport this weekend with ISC, and Mother Nature kind of got in the way. So I had, like, one <laughs> window to call at, like, 830, and you were apparently too busy to take my call to play Winona's Big Brown Beaver. So we will bring uh, that back at some point in time I, soon. I, uh, well, I broke records on Saturday. I took over 180 requests. Jeez. And I, I even, I like, I had to go to the bathroom a couple of times. This is like a one-man operation, so I had to, like, put the phone on hold. I'd have gone over 200 if I'd have let the thing go. I mean, it was, you do the 90s, we so frequently, uh, in this case, infrequently do the 90s, that I think it makes people more excited and starved for it, and it was, it was jammed all night. It was incredible. Well, just treat this, treat it like a baseball road trip in your Eastern Green Days. Just take a two-liter that way, don't have to leave the room. You'll be just fine. <laughs> I know exactly. Out the window, at that back door. We used to be able to open the back well, door. I don't know if you can do I, that I anymore. Think, so I've tried. I don't think you can open the windows in that studio. <laughs> so the two-liter might be the way to go. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. See you, pal. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. 180-plus is what I did. I was absolutely worn out worn out and you're going to say well you know what it's not really hard and you know what in terms of what a lot of you do out there working a jackhammer you know as i used to do you know doing tires working at a tire shop you know on the farm whatever there's no doubt it's not the same but i was worn out at the end like 180 plus is incredible for last saturday night uh, Denary, top of the hour, Jake Query, 5 o'clock hour. Quick break. We're back with the next 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Greg Rakestraw. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. I'd mentioned the dizzy runs tonight up at Mojo Up, uh, Finch Creek facility, right? Where evidently, Benedict Matherin is going to be up there. Uh, Flory Madunga is going to be there from Kokomo High School as well. Joey Bronk, Jeff Teague, Andre Owens going to be a part of this. I'm just going to mention a few here. Uh, there's a lot, lot to see, uh, evidently, for that event. Uh, Devontae Smith Rivera. Uh, where's my uh, yeah, Luke Brown's involved there? Ryan Weber. And uh, page three of that. Uh, Eric Hunter Jr.'s on there. Aaron Henry's a part of it again. Keelan Martin. And uh, a list of others right there. So that should be fun. And uh, that is week three of the Dizzy Runs. And if you missed any of that last week, I had Kyle Nettenrip of the Star on the show. He did a couple of stories on that, and they're really good stuff about what dudes are doing today besides this. I want to double back and listen to that conversation last week with Kyle Neddenrip of the Star. Right, quick break, and we'll come back. The voice of the Pacers, Chris Denary, who is now once again uh, one and two, I think for the second time 
a grandfather. Kristen Airy is going to join us on the other side. Query in the 5 o'clock hour, 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, this one is for our next guest, who is for a second time a grandfather. Gotta get there, Rucker. Come on now. Here we go. Damon Dobbs. 23-6. and six were the Reds from June the 5th through July the 6th. I'll give you those stats in comparison with what we have seen with this restart here in the second half after the All-Star break coming up in just a bit. Thank you, Damon Dobbs, for that. Meantime, of the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I'm assuming the biggest Darius Rucker fan on the face of the earth. He is the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports, Indiana, and a grandfather. Congratulations for the second time. He's Chris Denary. Hello, Chris. Hey, John. Thank you very much. Uh, just, uh, yeah, what a thrill. Uh, last week, welcoming Walker Michael Denary into the family. Uh, my son, Evan, and his wife, Meredith, uh, we were down there all week and got to spend a lot of time with him. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's special. I think for anybody that, you know, is a parent and then has had the experience as a grandparent, it is, it is so fun. So uh, really excited that we were able to be down there. Uh, we were in Michigan the week before. And then last week in Myrtle Beach, where our son and daughter-in-law live. So, uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. He's he's doing great. You know, in some regard, it was tough to come home, but uh, uh, we'll we'll see him again very very soon. Myrtle Beach. What was the uh, average temp down there? See, that's that's what I dig though. I'm assuming in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, it is uh, hot and humid, right? This time of year, every day. Yeah, it was very hot and humid. Uh, my it. son and daughter-in-law live in Conway, and they, they live uh, probably about 10 or 15 minutes from the beach, and um, they're right by coastal Carolina, and so it's probably a little warmer there, more inland. I bet. Uh, they, they have a, a German short-haired pointer that's two years old, and he needs a lot of attention, and so uh, Gramps was the attention giver. So, uh, in fact, last <laughs> week, Greg was, fill- Greg was filling in on the Noon to Three show, and I was walking Dutton. Uh, at that point, it was about a two-mile walk. So if anybody goes back and listens to that show, uh, I know I was huffing and puffing because Greg asked me, he goes, hey, what's the temperature? And I think it was about 90 at that point, you know, in the mid-afternoon. But, uh, yeah, it was – So you basically uh, I mean, went from like 35 degrees in Michigan <laughs> to 90 in South Carolina, right? That's a change. Uh, we had – yeah, we had great weather in Michigan. It was in the 70s, maybe touched a little bit into the 80s and uh, had a great time. Uh, with our older grandson. I sent you the picture uh, yeah. today. Uh, last Friday, he went to his very first Reds game at Great American Ballpark. Nice. now tw- 20 months old. He had a City Connect jersey on. What's funny is uh, his mom, Emma, she and her family are big, big Cubs fans. And, of course, my son, Wilson, is a huge, huge Reds fan. And so Emma sends us a picture of Archer in the uh, – in the in the red uniform and she goes don't tell my family and will was quick to send a text that said cubs schmubs <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's how and it should so, be uh, but you know hey I, I i tune in a little bit whenever tucker's out there so uh uh yep. but uh, well i mean tucker yeah. got some time on the mound too so recently a little mound time so 
That's what happens when those games get out of hand, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do. He um he was he was throwing some nasty stuff up there. I'm sure he would say it just like that. Nasty stuff. <laughs> Probably reminds him of those uh, Little League days in Brownsburg. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. Uh, Chris Denaria is with us. What do you think about the all-encompassing for the Pacers Summer League campaign? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the first two games that were really, really good. And, and of course, they had Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Matherin, and Isaiah Jackson all on the floor. That's going to make a big difference. You've got two guys that had really good rookie seasons and Isaiah Jackson hitting the third, uh, you know, his going into his third season. So it was a little bit different than the, the last three games where you didn't have those type of players. But, you know, you're able to see Isaiah Wong. Uh, you saw the two rookies in, in Shepard and Walker, uh, Oscar Shibway, you know, out there. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, I, I think it's good. I mean, yeah, you want to win games, and they won the first two and looked pretty good, but it's really about developing – uh, your talent, and I, I think when all said and done, that's what they are able to do. I said this regarding Jess Walker. I, I just thought he performed in a fashion that, again, gave you a good feeling about how he'll make the transition collegially to the NBA because you don't want any question marks. I don't think you were left over at all with any question marks. And really, you, you kind of wonder with the work that you expect him to put in because he does, you know, have a great deal of fire lit. Other aspects that maybe you weren't thinking about can get better. We're all we obviously think about the three-point shooting. That's that's going to get better. He's going to get better at that. But there are other like even playmaking aspects that you saw and you kind of wondered, I wonder if he can be utilized in that fashion as he matures. Yeah, his ability to bring the ball down the floor and I think, you know, case in point, I think Rick Carla would would like to see it in the hands of Halliburton or Demhart or McConnell coming up the floor in a fast break situation, but clearly, you know, Walker's able to do that. I mean, what was it? The first game he had I know he didn't have the points. You know, people always focus on points, but it was something like eight points, 13 rebounds, five assists, three blocks, and three steals. <laughs> That's pretty good. Those are really, really good numbers. And I think, you know, we've gone on ad nauseum. The Pacers were fine offensively last year. They were a top-10 offensive team, um, even when Tyrese Halliburton wasn't out there. But the the fact of the matter is they want to be more physical, have a better defensive presence, and I think, Somebody like Jairus Walker, you know, will help in that situation. Somebody like Bruce Brown uh, is going to help. I'm really excited, John. I know you and I texted a little bit, um, you know, about what they were able to accomplish in free agency and with the trade. I mean, basically, uh, you got Obi Toppin for a couple of second-round draft picks. Now you used a couple of uh, second-round draft picks to send Chris Duarte to Sacramento. So I guess you could say it's a Duarte for Toppin trade. And then you're able to uh, get right into the free agent mix and get the guy you wanted in Bruce Brown. I, I thought that was outstanding. Yeah, well, we'll get back to that in, in just a second as well. But I was I was curious, and Kristen Derry joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, what else maybe caught your interest as far as this, this Pacer team? And I agree with you. When you had the guys that were already rostered up and went back there, you kind of knew what you're going to get out of them. At the same time, anybody else surprise you with a moment uh, to maybe of, you know, wow, you know, can this translate? Will this translate as far as the next level is concerned that you saw working for the Pacers out there? Yeah, I mean, I liked Isaiah Wong. I mean, I, I think they, you know, he was a scorer at, at Miami and not necessarily a ball handler. But when Nemhard didn't play in the last three games, you, you had to make some changes. And 
Isaiah Wong, you know, became really at times the primary ball handler. And, you know, he's on a two-way contract and, and will spend time, you know, with the Mad Ants, and that will give him an opportunity to, to really hone his game. I mean, you see a lot of players that have to make a lot of shifts when they come from the college game to the pro game. Uh, you know, you might be the best player on your college team, and that's not going to resonate as far as the NBA is concerned. So, so you've got to figure out how you can fit in. So I think somebody like him who, you know, is a proven scorer in college, I thought had some good uh, summer league games, but more importantly, um, you know, handling the ball. The, the funny thing I, I told you about my daughter-in-law, Meredith, who uh, she's from Louisville. She's a U.K. grad, so she is thrilled that Oscar is now a part of the Pacers franchise. So we've got two Kentucky Wildcats uh, with Isaiah Jackson and Oscar uh, on this Pacers roster right now. Yeah, well, and Oscar, I kind of hope that at some point he works because two years ago the guy was the National Player of the Year and then doesn't doesn't get drafted. I'll give you a great example. I've kind of made the comparison or or at least drawn a parallel between he and, and Trace. And Trace ended up in a spot that I thought was perfect for him right now. And I've always said this, considering the circumstances, perfect for him. Whereas here, I mean, you've got to do a lot of things and get around a lot of players to to get to that particular position. But I hope at some point he does because you know that he's incredibly talented. You know that he can rebound, and he has certainly shown it collegiately. But you just kind of wonder at times how much of an opportunity outside of this two-way deal he's going to ultimately get. Well, you know he's going to put in the work. I mean, I mean that, and and I was thrilled that you know the the Pacers were able to get him. You know, that's the the key to the draft is after the this year it was just fifty eight, not sixty players drafted. Um, you know, once that fifty eighth pick is put in, then teams are circling in 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 signing you know undrafted free agents, and so I think for the Pacers to get a caliber of a player like that, you know, says a lot, and it it says what what he sees in the Pacers organization and. You know, he's one of those guys, he can be a little bit patient, and the franchise can be patient with him and help him develop his skill level as he moves to the next level. Yeah, I mean, you, you consider that with when I, I was talking about Trace, too. You just you kind of get thrust in this situation where this is how and what design they have. This is how they see you and what designs they have for you. And it just kind of seemed like a, a piece of the puzzle that fits for him. And others kind of have to work their way into – now, again, he's still going to have to work. Don't get me wrong. But others are going to have to more so work into being that piece of the puzzle organizationally that the team is looking for. And, and Trace has a really good opportunity considering where he went in that draft. Yeah, and I, I know it's a different position, and we're going to morph into Bruce Brown. But you know, like Isaiah Wong, he's a former Miami Hurricane, was a second-round draft pick, and now look at him—he signed a big contract right. uh, and played on a team that won the championship. So there's all kinds of opportunities uh, for players to improve and to make their own mark uh, in the NBA. Surely, you know, we see a lot of the the great players go from college basketball the nba and it can be somewhat seamless but uh, you know all you have to do is look at somebody like fred van vliet he was undrafted uh, out of wichita state and signed a big contract to go to houston a part of their championship team in toronto a few years ago so as i've always said there's no cookie cutter approach to to how you get to where you want to be and uh you know that's the beauty uh i mean that's the beauty about life and in any uh you know, position. I mean, hey, 
you know, we listen. I love when you play your old uh, radio, uh, you know, from down in Vincennes, right? Oh yeah. And and, and you would have said, would I be hosting? Uh, talk show, uh, one of the most the successful sports talk show in Indianapolis. Well, yeah, because you worked at it and you had an opportunity, and I think that's the same thing that happens in the NBA. It's uh, Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. Let's double back to Bruce Brown for a moment, too. And this goes, I think, three weeks as of Friday when we learned that uh, he was a hard target uh, of the Pacers at the end of, of my show when we learned that. Certainly, I mean, it was your initial thought kind of like mine of, wow, you know, it, it seems like there's a lot of bodies right there. And then the more that you soaked in exactly what the Pacers need and then why they ended up doing that. I guess what I'm saying here, did it make more sense, a little more investigating you did than maybe it initially did? Yeah, I think you're, you're looking for depth. Um, and, and I mean, he, he provides depth, but I mean, he, you know, he was a sixth man in, in Denver. You, you envision him as a starter uh, with the Pacers. And, you know, I, I looked at it last year, John, you know, they had players like Aaron Neesmith, who I thought had a really, really good year. Um, he had to start a lot, and, and maybe that wasn't what the projection was at the start of the year. Let's say he's coming off the bench this year. I mean, that, that, that makes your team you know, that much stronger because of the caliber of players you have coming off the bench. I think Rick Carlisle has said it. He, he loves competition. Uh, they, they, right now they have filled the, the 15 slots as far as the full roster is concerned. And it's probably as good depth-wise as we've seen in a, in a number of years. So there's going to be a lot of competition for playing time. Um, you know, you hope that you don't have injuries that, that make it a little bit easier for the coaching staff to fit players in. But, uh, you know, he – what do the Pacers now have, I think, the top three players in transition. And that's Halliburton, Toppin, and Bruce Brown. And we know the Pacers were one of the best fast-break teams in the NBA last year, and I think – they'll be even better this year how much of it do you think we're getting topping is you know I, I know it was the overall game and they didn't do this on a whim but how much of it do you think did come from that that takeaway of those couple of games late in which he went like 30 plus against them with if you remember chris that was with relative ease a couple of different times offensively for him yeah i mean he had a big game at gamebridge field house and then that final game of the year that the pacers won i mean he was hitting threes and getting out in transition and dunking I think the thing that makes you feel really good about that is, yeah, somebody could say, well, he did it twice against the Pacers playing 30 or more minutes. He just never played 30 or more minutes against many other teams because he was, you know, behind Julius Randle, and and Randle as an all-star is going to get, you know, 35 minutes a game. So what does that leave? About 13 minutes to play the backup position. And I think he averaged, what, 8.6 rebounds in about 13 minutes. So, project those numbers if he's playing 25 to 30 minutes he he should be a really strong contributor and it it gives you the opportunity at the four to maybe bring Jarris walker along a, a little bit slower than than maybe you had planned um but but i like obi toppin he, again he was a national player of the year at the university of dayton a number of years ago a, a, a really athletic player who loves to get out in transition and I, I think it just makes the Pacers that much more potent on the offensive end. All right, I brought this up because there were just kind of trade rumors floating around, at least this past week, regarding T.J. McConnell. And I, I've outlined to my listening audience 
what I believe that would be missing without T.J. McConnell on this team. And while you can't often point to it in a box score, when you watch it in terms of uh, there being success on the floor when he is out there or at the end of the game, you can certainly see it and you can describe it then. How much would be missing if McConnell were no longer coming off this bench for this team? Well, I mean, I love T.J. McConnell, and I know he loves it here. He he loves the fan base and, and really enjoys playing in Indianapolis. And, um, I mean, he's a game changer. I mean, from the standpoint that when he comes in, his ability to get up and down the floor, you know, distribute the ball. I mean, we saw him shoot better than 40% from three last year. So, you know, I, I tend I tend really – Honestly, John, to not pay attention to all of the sort of noise that's out there and just sort of wait to see, you know, what happens. And I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the noise, you know, prior to the draft, really, and prior to free agency and those types of things. So a lot of times you and I talk, I mean, you'll see somebody with another team that writes, you know, like Alex Golden has setting the pace or somebody that's writing for the Phoenix Suns, whatever they are. They always post something that is the the deal is always pro Suns. It never helps the other team, and uh, so well, I, I can't think of a time when there's really ever been a deal that that has been <laughs> pre-reported in this case that has ever right. been beneficial to the Pacers. I, I no, can't remember no. one. Yeah, no, all the deals that you always <laughs> see that you know the Lakers people are posting and the Suns people are posting and they're all posting deals that really help their team. <laughs> well, never help the Pacers. So I, I just. I just tend to, if if it comes across on Twitter, and now I also am on threads, if it comes across, I just scoot past it. There's there's no reason for me to read it. Oh, so you're on threads too. I'm on threads as well. I had forgotten yeah. I'm on threads since the first day that I got on threads. Yeah, I'm on threads, and I've tried to go through and, and uh, you know, think about who do I follow, because um, I'm really not an Instagram person. I, I've been more, I'm more of a Facebook person twitter person and so but but i have found i found threads uh to be very interesting Hmm. and i try to sort of look at them both all right i'm looking at mine right now i don't uh i have i have uh one week ago jmv says hello look i'm already posting in the third person that's douchey uh hello and i'm learning Yeah, I posted once. I think I posted something about Tyrese Halliburton on Threads. I think that's the the only post that I have. That's all I have on on Threads so far. So, I don't know. It's a creature of habit regarding. So, that's just kind of where it is as far as uh, Twitter is concerned. All right. So, um, how much time are you going to be able to take off here and then – what we always notice is we get to this time of year and you think you have all this time before things really ramp up and then all of a sudden it is there. So, And I guess I was going to ask you this too. What do you think about this whole tournament situation that's being implemented by the NBA? Yeah, I was on a conference call the other day uh, with our broadcast group. I mean, I, I, I think you, you do things. You, you, you can't constantly sit still. I mean, we're in a whole different way that we distribute games i mean who knows two years from now how it's all going to look and and so uh i'm excited about it i mean um i think the thing that the nba will do and they've learned again they use the g league they use the wnba to learn some things um you know the w has had the commissioner's cup i i think the way that they'll they'll do this will put more focus on these 
uh, tournament games against the the four other teams that are in your pod, and I think they'll they'll, they'll really do a good job on specific nights about saying, hey, this is uh, NBA Cup night. Um, so I, when they, when they brought it up a year ago, I mean, I'm in favor of it. I, I you know I know there are a lot of people that don't like change, but I, I think. I think it's an opportunity to do something a little bit different, to do something a little bit out of the box. And, you know, we'll know a little bit more when the season ends and when this in-season tournament ends, just how people have received it. But, but I think there's an opportunity here to, to do some things that, you know, the, the, the league has not done before. So basically at that point in time, you're, you're just outside the World Series window. Clearly, in the teeth of the NFL football season, getting toward the end of the college football regular season, and you know, into conference championships and 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 things of that nature, um, is is there any thought that maybe you, you kind of dive into this thing and, and wonder if the the timing is right, or you think that's the best you could come up with? Well, I'm, I'm sure they looked at some other timing that maybe you do it after the NFL season. I mean, I, I think that they will in the November, December time frame. You know, there are days that you can do it where you're not head to head with the NFL. Now, the NFL, of course, has expanded Sunday, Monday, Thursday, those types of things. Um, but, but I do think there are opportunities to sort of set yourself apart. Um, you know, if, if you go into January or February after the NFL season or after the Super Bowl, then you've got college basketball as in in-conference play, which those games tend to be more viewed than maybe those games in the non-conference season. So, um, you know, I'm sure they looked at all those metrics and, and determined that um, at least year one, uh, this is what they feel like is the best opportunity for uh, the in-season tournament. The, the the four games that you play within your pod are still regular season games. They count in the 82-game schedule. And then, um, you know, the, the eight teams that advance uh, that will be hosted by a home team with a road team, and then the four teams that advance to Las Vegas will play the two semifinals on a neutral floor. That'll be game 82 for those teams. And then the 83rd game, uh, two teams will just have one extra game. So, for instance, John, if if the, the in the pod there are five teams, somebody's going to win. The other four then will have two additional games assigned to them on specific days in December that will com- be games number 81, 82. They'll, they'll be added. So uh, there will be specific days, but um, you won't know who you're going to play. Yeah, it's just it, it is. I mean, one thing about it is we, we know that everybody loves a good tournament. Everybody loves, no matter really when, everybody loves a good tournament. And I will say this, a year ago, I kind of thought the same thing about the World Cup. The World Cup happened during the month of November a year ago, if you remember that, too. And uh, um, it it stood strong. I know it's soccer and it's global and it's different, but... uh, I, I'm willing to because I like I like basketball. And I, I certainly love it when it is becoming more meaningful. I just I kind of wonder how the fans and then, you know, for the most part, I'll, I'm going to wonder how how the teams are going to end up taking this and adapting to this. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, part of it is you know clearly you know Adam Silver had had focused on what happens over in in European soccer when teams step out of the Premier League or the Italian League or the Spanish League and they they play the Champions League, all those kinds of things. I think the other thing is is I mean when I was a part of Butler basketball doing all those games and and we would go um, and and play in the Great Alaskan Shootout or a tournament in Hawaii. 
So that was an in-season tournament that, you know, really had no bearing on qualifying for the NIT or the NCAA. I mean, it helped you, of course, but you, you played those games trying to win a championship. So um, I, I think the it, I think the younger players, it'll be easier for them just because they've experienced it most recently in their college basketball days and even in their AAU or their high school days. Maybe for the grizzled old guy that's been in the NBA for 13 or 14 years, it'll be a little bit different. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think, you know, we'll see how we can make it different from a broadcast end, all those kinds of things, uh, because you know that those four games, even though they count in your regular season standings, trying to get to the playoffs or the play-in or whatever, they still give you an opportunity to, to advance to the NBA Cup Elite Eight. It's uh, Chris Denary, who is, again, a grandfather. Now, not just once, but twice, whether it's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. It is always a pleasure. Once again, congratulations. And you're going to get to do any uh, your time, any concert stuff, anything like that? Well, we've got uh, – we're heading to Boston and Portland, Maine next week. We, we've not been home much uh, in July. I have a nephew. Seafood time, everybody. Yeah, That's my, nice. My, my brother, Tom, uh, his son is getting married out in Portland, Maine on an island. So we will take a ferry nice. from Portland, Maine to the island for the wedding and then back across the ferry for the reception. So oh, the wedding, you know the wedding dinner is going to have lobster on that thing, oh, yeah. too. That's beautiful. So, so we have built a couple of days uh, to go, you know, to go into Boston um, and do that. And then, you know, for the better part of August, uh, home. And then we go to uh, Pauly's Island for a week with our just our family, um, our, our grandsons, my, my sons, their wives, that kind of stuff. So and then, you know, September, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time, of course, getting ready um, because you're right. It, it hits you pretty quick. But uh had a very enjoyable summer, uh, you know, watching uh, a lot of uh, Archer, our, our 20-month-old grandson. Just been a blast with him. And uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Walker uh, again very, very soon. That's awesome. Hey, congratulations to you and the entire family. And, um, you know, safe travels when you go to Maine. That sounds like a hell of a wedding to be a part of right there. I should be DJing that one. <laughs> you should be. Yeah, looking forward to it. I, I mean, I've been to Boston. My wife's never been to Boston. My uh, my my other uh, my son, his wife, and my other son have all been there, uh, but we we've never been to Maine, so we're really looking forward to that. So yeah, it's the it's the summer of travel, John. I made a little note to myself. I go, I've stayed in more hotel rooms and stuff during this summer. I feel like it's I'm on an NBA trip or something. So, uh, uh, but it's it's been good to be home this week. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. We'll be in touch again soon. All right. Thanks, John. It's uh, Chris Denary right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Somebody had sent me this. I don't know if anybody. This doesn't make me a redneck, I don't think. I guess I already am. (laughs) What can I do about it at this point? In uh, Louisville, Kentucky, you can get fried bologna sandwiches at baseball games. Who among us here would be down with a fried bologna sandwich? You know me. Absolutely, positively. James? That's way, way too old for you, right? I mean, I don't actually think I've ever had a fried bologna sandwich. It's way too old for you. I will say this. This was probably going back seven or so years, seven plus years. Uh, Penn Station East Coast Subs, when it had a location here downtown on Washington, 
There was a point in time where Tony Donahue and I went over there like once or twice a week because that summer they had fried bologna. They were creating those at Penn Station. They were awesome. I don't know if you can still get them on the menu or order them off the menu, but it was awesome. Uh, Fried bologna and just pound that thing with yellow mustard. That's spectacular right there. And again, if it makes me a redneck, then so be it. And again, I already am, so what are you going to do? Mostly, right? But I would do that in an absolute second, in a heartbeat. Quick one, we'll return your calls on the other side. I'll revisit some of the things I started out talking about regarding uh, the Colts, Jonathan Taylor. And again, all this noise you hear nationally regarding running backs, it, it doesn't matter in terms of of the Colts. The needs are different for others than it is here. I'll explain that once again coming up to Jake Query, top of the hour as well. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, Kurt writes this. Fried bologna is a Dubois County staple, as it should be. Always. This was from Matt Miller. Been saying it for years. He covers the NFL. We had him on as the draft scout, right? A couple of different times prior to the draft. Draft a running back, play the running back if he's good. Three, franchise tag the running back one time, and then draft a running back. Jonathan Taylor actually responded to that saying, if you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you boost the organization, and then doesn't matter you're a running back. He doesn't have to explain it that way. Just say, I'm on a team that has a dude that has played very little football at the position in which is the most important in professional sports. And oh, by the way, everybody, including my owner, wants this quarterback to play in week number one and wants this quarterback to succeed sooner rather than later. You don't take the most talented player away. If somebody else deems that necessary, if you're the Giants, whatever. And I'm not just talking about this year or just next year. I'm talking about to have the support to mature I just think this situation is drastically different. Drastically different than that of the Giants. Well, the Giants are a playoff team. It's more important for them. It's not more important for them. It's most important here. It's different here. And if you want to blame Chris Ballard for kind of setting the table that way, then blame Chris Ballard. All I'm doing is telling you exactly what the situation calls for right now. And it doesn't call for screwing around and screwing up what, when healthy, and I would expect that. I mean, even a year ago, the dude averaged over four and a half yards a carry, and knowing the offense that is coming, 
Just look up how the running back was handled in Philly a year ago and understand you have to have a good one. And go with what you know in this case. And I just think the the storyline here is drastically different than it is any place else. And that doesn't mean we're talking about anybody that's going to challenge for a division title, postseason berth, anything like that. Well, wait a minute. Look what Kansas City won with a year ago. Okay, I'll look at it. Uh, It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Travis Kelsey. It's Andy Reid and uh, a group that has been there and done that. A very well-rounded team. I'll look at that. No matter. It's different. It's different than Eckler. It's different than Cook was. It's different than all this. And I, th- I think the sooner you come to grips with that and understand that when you hear it nationally, they're just not considering the circumstances here. Yeah, I don't know how you would feel feel comfortable with going with at any point here in certainly the shorter term future, the next couple of years, if not even longer. I I would think you would want this guy a part of the maturation process with your quarterback as much as you want some of these wide receivers. As much as you want this tight end room to come around, as much as you hope that last year was just a blip on the radar and something else you can blame on Matt Ryan with the offensive line or Chris Strasser with the offensive line or something you can still blame on Carson Wentz. I think you quite understand with the maturation of a very young, inexperienced quarterback And for all of us to sit here and say, man, this guy, I want to see him play right away. You have to have significant support. I don't think you can be giving that away or in this case, I think you've got to kind of own up to the fact that that's going to be necessary moving forward. Uh, Nicholas says, what about the Bears getting rid of Montgomery? Fields needed help to grow and they took his running back away. I... You know, and I'm just talking Nicholas more about here than I am anyplace else. I mean, at least feels, I guess, now has, you know, he's got time under his belt. You're talking about a dude that's played like 13 times and not in the NFL. And everybody just wants him to jump in there, and that's me included, and to be that guy in week number one. And then to mature into, to evolve into that guy. It, it's not something, well, you can have him for a year, then you can get rid of him. Or you can have him for, you know, that, that second year and a franchise tag him and then get rid of him. I I don't know if I'd be playing it like that. I If I'm Chris Ballard, I'm hoping that the reason why I traded up to get Jonathan Taylor is more applicable now than it was when he actually did it because of their situation. And you knew when he made that deal, when he made that move and drafted him, that the circumstances were drastically different. 
but it seems to me like that that fit if if you thought that was a fit back then it's even more of a fit now with what you have experience wise and what you hope to bring of that sooner rather than later that is a thought nicholas thank you very much jmv if you're Talking fried bologna sandwiches, there's none better than what comes with the recession special at Robert's Western World in Nashville. (laughs) Thank you. Fried bologna, bag of chips, moon pie, and a PBR or a high life, six bucks. Yeah, that'll excite everybody right there. Get everybody to leave and bail out of here right now. Uh, this is from Damon a little bit earlier, too. JMV, the Reds were 23-6 and six from June the 5th through July the 6th and averaged 5.9 runs a game, so nearly six a game and allowing nearly five a game. So they were surviving because of the offense. In the last six games, one in five, Reds averaged 2.3 runs per game and allowed only 3.5 runs to score. Statistically, the pitching is still holding. It is time to reload the bats. I'm telling you, the pitching hasn't been bad. The offense has faded away, and that's what you got to get back. And that's why I think we were all skeptical, wondering how long that offense was going to be able to carry that load versus the pitching. And then now you get a little bit of pitching and the offense. And listen, you can give credit where credit is due. Milwaukee has pitched fantastically against the Reds this season. And you know, up until the point when he was yanked last night and the rain started coming down, uh, Logan Webb was really good too. But you got to get that offense back, and that's gone away. Offense, timely hitting, the excitement, the extra base stuff, the taking the extra base. I mean, all that we talked about that month long with the Reds has not been at the start of the second half what this Reds team has been about. We'll see if they're able to change that. JMV, hear me out on this. If, and it's a big if, the Reds can stay close with the Brewers until early August, can you get some pitchers back? Well, their expectation is that. We talked to Chris Welsh on the show on Friday. Both Lodolo and Green are at least reportedly coming back then. So it's it's like they feel they're going to get fresh arms back. So that will probably be their thought instead of actually going out and pulling off some big deal. But their thought is, hey, look what we got coming, and there's still a great unknown there. But again, at this moment, it's not even so much about the pitching. Just the bats have to re-engage. Get that fun brand of offensive baseball back. And again, they were carrying the load for a month. Needs to get back, maybe not entirely, but at least somewhat in that vein, especially if you're going to get some decent pitching as they have. All right, quick break, and we shall return. Jake Query is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Kristen Neri, Greg Rakestraw so far. You can find that uh, 107.5thefan.com uh, via the uh, podcast page for us. August the 18th, our golf outing, a long-hitting contest. Some of you guys better bring it. 
better bring it with me because I wield a tremendously large stick. So we got a long drive contest and a lot more for prizes. We got great stuff, eating and drinking, August the 18th at back nine. Let me tell you this. It is sort of like the long-hitting contest there is like the home run derby. You can absolutely throw your back out, putting all you have into it. But I promise a blast, and we'll see if anybody can outdrive me because I put a lot into it. Oh, I swing a big stick. August the 18th, 107.5thefan.com. Sign up today. I promise you, we promise you an absolute blast. Quick break. We're back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Sis Boom Ba. Sis Boom Ba. <laughs> Describe the sound made when a sheep explodes. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I mentioned this. The Reds game last night was delayed by rain, so they'll uh, suspended it last night, put it back into play coming up at 5.40 late afternoon. Uh, two all, I believe. Last check, the uh, Giants had runners on second and third and nobody out. So they're going to resume that game again at 540. And then the previously scheduled game is underway coming up after that. Uh, Reds and Giants at Great American coming up later on tonight. We'll see if the Reds can get things turned back around again. Cardinals and Marlins, 745 or so in St. Louis. Nationals and the Cubs at 805 coming up later on tonight. And I'm sure a lot of uh, conversation regarding the MLB trade deadline uh, that that maybe even run it might run deeper than just Otani I guess right because that's all anybody talks about right now but maybe we'll run deeper than that and we shall see we'll see if the Reds can't get back on track which would be nice for Reds fans out there too JMV I heard you talking about Jonathan Taylor do you think that there is a chance that the Colts might not want to mess with him long-term. I, I do, because that's just the way that it is. I just have spelled out why I believe that he is different in a level of importance than what you're going to see in other places. Yes, I'm kind of curious how many people think you can just go ahead and draft a six-rounder or bring in a free agent, and that is going to give the support help with support of a really young and inexperienced and certainly growing quarterback. Again, I just think this is different. And the reason why it's different is because of Anthony Richardson. And I know that there are many that are skeptical. Listen, am I skeptical about how this is going to be handled? Yes. But in terms of what I believe needs to take place, It's more of a no-brainer for me than it is really anything. It's not like that all of a sudden he's going to break the bank and things are going to be different. No. And will he get what he wants out of this? Probably not. 
But is his story, his angle with his team different than it is anyplace else? Absolutely. Jay Query on the other side. Morning show, Kevin and Query, Chris Denary, Greg Rakestraw earlier. Podcast 1075thefan.com. JMV, did you guys get hit by any hail yesterday? Hail, no. I think maybe very small. It didn't last very long. But normally where I am, it's just nothing but wind. Nothing but wind. And it's it's like every stinking storm. Straight line winds. Just mess with everything. But I know a lot of you got some some hail, significant hail yesterday and into the evening with those storms. Uh, not so much down near Bargersville, where I live. Jake Query is going to join us on the other side. 93.5, The Fan. Don't go away. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw, Kristen Airy, a little bit earlier. Podcast with both. 107.5thefan.com. Thank you for joining us. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline as we dive into the 5 o'clock hour. From the morning show, Kevin and Query. That's weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Jake Query joins us. I don't know, Jake, if you could tell... Bringing us back in was Crocodile Dundee Part 1. It was the original. Um, I maintain that Crocodile Dundee 2, one of the few sequels that, that, to me, absolutely is better than the original. Anything come to mind? Sequels better than the original. Oh, um, boy. You know, I I know some people would tell you The Godfather 2, right? I think Rocky 2 was better than Rocky, quite frankly. Because there was a Uh, winner and it wasn't a... A draw and going to Apollo Creed upon the draw. He maintained yeah, his belt. Little, uh, you know, the original Rocky was a little slower in developing the storyline of, of Rocky and Adrian. You know what I mean? So it was a little more, it had a little more, I guess you'd say. But, but no, Rocky too. he won is the reason why, though, right? If it would have been another draw and Apollo would have, you know, gotten the belt back again, it wouldn't have been as good. I, I, yeah, I'd agree. Although the, and I'll tell you what, I, the, the the count scene when they're both down on the canvas. Sorry if I'm spoiling this for anybody. <laughs> yeah, sure. for it came out in 1979. I think we're safe. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the count scene when they're both down on the canvas and it shows everybody like you know yelling for Rocky to get up. I mean, I think it's pretty awesome. It's a little. You don't like when Paulie goes. Blah, blah, blah. Paulie's just like screaming really loud. Okay, that's what he yells. Get up, Rocky! It actually sounds like he says "Get up, Mickey," which is even weirder. But, Get up, Mickey! Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of other movies where the sequel, where I How about Superman two, that. Superman two, Superman two had uh, uh, Neil which before Zod. Scott Pollard the, looking fellow that was yeah. stuck in the. That Scott, Scott Pollard and Zod and the uh, the chick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Decent. Not bad. You know? Right. Okay, here you go. And I'm not a Star Wars guy at all. 
But I think there are probably people, people that would tell you that either Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi are better than the original Star Wars. Maybe that's yeah. Well, the problem with the Empire Strikes Back is anything with Yoda in it automatically drags it down. So anybody, anything with which one? Uh, Yoda. I'm. I'm. Yeah. That whole Dagobah system Yoda crap just was so boring. I'm sorry can't do it so i mean listen i don't like star wars at all i've only seen the first three <laughs> and i saw them in the theater and i wasn't overly overwhelmed by them i was young but yoda is pretty cool man like just i mean just the way he talks he's a cute guy right he's how about I mean, jewel years old, jewel of the nile better than romancing the stone believe it or not never saw either one of them you believe that it's understandable Oh. Now I will never, and I I saw Crocodile Dundee. I don't know that I ever saw the second one. No, oh, the second uh, one, man. The second was great. They were they were running in the outback or mixed backyard away from drug kingpins that were trying to get them. Awesome, just awesome. Now, how about this? Speaking of outbacks, how about this? So my friends from Australia come to the Indy Five Hundred. Seven guys from Australia, all Australians, and so. We were going to the parade. I mean, right. I did the whole weekend with them. I took them to the car bed, I took them to the parade, I took them to the race, the whole deal, right? So before the parade, I had ordered an Australian flag off Amazon because I thought it would be cool for them to have the flag to wave like when power goes by, you know. And the the shipment got delayed. So I mentioned it on the air on car day, and one of our listeners was kind enough to say, hey, I actually have an Australian flag you can borrow. I go, perfect. So we did. Power stopped in the parade and came running over to them. It was awesome. So then, after they go back to Australia, I get the Australian flag from Amazon in, in the mail. And I'm like, okay, I can take the time to return this. And then I thought, you know what? So I call Outback Steakhouse. And I'm like, hey, question. I have an Australian flag that's still in the packaging. I, I having no idea the decor of, even though I love Outback Steakhouse, I'm like, would you guys want it to just put hang in your bar or whatever? And, John, I kid you not, you would have thought that I was calling to ask them if they wanted Super Bowl tickets. They were elated. Then I took it into the Outback Steakhouse, the Australian flag. Yeah. Like, the entire staff came out to thank me. They gave me a free dinner out of it. and Sweet. acted like I dropped. I, I, I'm like, how does that? Yeah. In, like, the 40 years of Outback Steakhouse, how at a marketing meeting did nobody ever say, you know, we should probably get an Australian flag to hang in the bar? <laughs> That's pretty cool, I mean, though. That's cool. Yeah, they, they, I mean, I got a blooming onion and everything out of it. It's great. So, Jay Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, seven until ten a.m. here on the fan. I, I'm, I, do you think that this whole Jonathan Taylor thing is is going to work out? I, I guess this is a two parter right here. Is going to work out according to the script we have seen most recently with other running backs, or do you, like me, believe the situation here in Indy as it moves forward here with Anthony Richardson? Do you believe it to be different than what your average other NFL running back team situation might be? I kind of believe both can be true, and let me explain. I got to thinking about this, because you and I talked a little bit about it earlier, too. I disagree with you a little bit in this area. I, I don't disagree that Jonathan Taylor has more value to the Colts than he does other franchises. I, that's, I don't have any question about that. He means more. You know, quite frankly, it's a lot like Miles Turner. You know, people can say Miles Turner. Well, Miles Turner, I mean, in the NBA, who would want Miles Turner? 
But what Miles Turner brings to the table is what Indiana wants him to bring to the table. That's what people fail to realize here. And in Jonathan Taylor's case, he is an elite-level talent. There's no doubt about it. He is one of the most dynamic running backs at breaking plays in the NFL. And seemingly a very good teammate, good guy, hard worker, everything you'd want. No question about it. And theoretically, I think you make an excellent point that when you have a young quarterback that's trying to get his footing, a critical running back is very important to that. The challenge is this, and this is what the Colts are going to have to figure out. And I always go back to precedent. In this town, we have a precedent of a franchise quarterback in Peyton Manning. Now, Andrew Luck, a little bit different, but in the case of Andrew of Peyton Manning, they had Marshall Falk in-house. Marshall Falk was about ready to get to a second contract. He was an elite-level player, a little bit different era offensively, but still an elite-level player and a running back. And the Colts sprayed him for what turned out to be Mike Peterson and Brad Scioli, and they draft Edron James. And people are like, are you kidding me? This guy just ran for more yards than anybody in the history of the Pro Bowl as a rookie and yada, yada, yada. Now, you know, he's, he's going into a second contract. But they opted to go with the player that not only was going to be less expensive because of the rookie deal, but also I think a big part of that, John, was they wanted a player that was going to be reaching his peak and his prime at the same time as Manning. And then, of course, they, they went with a die after that. And Edron James, by the way, joins us on the program tomorrow on our morning show. Edron is just a fantastic conversation, by the way. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, and so for the Colts, it is true that Jonathan Taylor has more value here than probably a lot of places because of the fact that they have a rookie quarterback that needs his footing behind him. Problem is, Jonathan Taylor, contractually speaking, in order to, if you go beyond one year of that experiment, the Falk did have Manning for a year. They did a year of it, and then they moved on. I could see them doing that again because instead of paying a lot of money to Jonathan Taylor, they want to bring in a running back that hits his peak at the same time as Richardson's you know, getting into his stride. Problem is, Richardson may be more than two years from that. Right. He's, you know, he's uh, yeah, I, and, I just, and that's that's why I think you you expedite that process if you make sure that he's supported as well as you can support him. And we sit around here and talk about true. wide receivers and talk about tight ends and talk about an offensive line that really what you're doing this season, Jake, is you're crossing your fingers and saying, yeah, you know, last year, uh, here's a do-over. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're crossing your fingers and hopefully this is a do-over. You get a new coach at the position and, you know, new new staff, new head coach all together, new quarterback, whatever. But I, I think Anthony Richardson and his incredible level of inexperience, it is necessary to have like if this were were different with with Peyton Manning having the inexperience as Anthony Richardson you may have had a different outcome in that situation that you bring up quite like I think needs to go down here I, I again I get what you're saying and I'm not saying necessarily even that you're wrong I just think that I don't know that they know the definitive answer I don't know that any of us do you might be right about that too yeah but but I but I there, listen what is definitive is this what is definitive is Jonathan Taylor is an elite-level player. There's no denying that. And he does something at the running back position that very few guys in the league can do. The question the Colts have to ask themselves is, does Jonathan Taylor – is Jonathan Taylor – if you were able to get 
another running back at 20% the prices of John, of what you're going to – well, probably 20 is low, but 40%. If you're able to get another running back at 40% of what it's going to cost you to have Jonathan Taylor behind Anthony Richardson, but he can bring you 80% of what Jonathan Taylor does, then you have to explore that. That's, they have to figure that out. And a lot of that probably depends on the schemes that they're coming up with. What's interesting to me, if you look at Shane Steichen's offense – you know, a lot of the a lot of the ball movement they're going to do on the ground may be Anthony Richardson. I, it may be, but that also is facilitated by having a running back behind him that defenses have to take serious. So, I, I think it's a, a fascinating dilemma for them. Um, and I don't think you know for this year. I don't think there's any denying the fact, John, that Jonathan Taylor they need him on the field this year. And but the the problem they're going to run into is maybe to get him on the field this year, you've got to take care of him. Beyond that, because oh, yeah, I, I think I would agree with you on that too. I, I think you need him this year and and next, and and here's part of the thing too. You, you bring up a great point about what we don't know yet, because you can bring up Miles Sanders a year ago. I think you were pointing out the offense in Philly, which was high volume. There's no doubt about that. And I think Sanders had what something like 1,269, 1,270 yards on the ground. Um, and then, you know, when everybody left town, coaching staff-wise, they felt compelled in Philly. He's, I think, now in, in Carolina. So what I'm getting at here is you saw the necessity of this offense at the running back position, you know, even with a quarterback that was, you know, kind of evolving into to what we have seen this past year. But you also, at the same time, saw Philly deem him as expendable, which he is now in Carolina. So there's, you, you still don't come up with anything definitive here, just a lot of conversation as to what is was necessary. I just I think that Taylor, to me, is, is as vital as any other positional player on this team for support of a quarterback that just doesn't have experience and you want to see him get going and evolve sooner rather than later. I just think this is a very important time, and maybe that position with that level of talent shouldn't be screwed with. The last part, I mean, I agree with that. You know, the other thing is I think they have other – I still think they have other areas of need they haven't addressed, and that's the other thing. You know, where does the running back position fall in their depth chart of, of needs, number one? But the, and because you're talking about – and the market might help them out here. You know, they. I guess the big thing that probably favors the Colts in this situation is that if you're Jonathan Taylor, the market is not going your way at all. No doubt. I mean, when, and so they might be. You know, what is he going to demand? Well, I don't know, but is he going to be able to get that elsewhere? I mean, if he comes to them and says, "I need twelve to fifteen a year," and they say, "Good luck," Pollard got ten as a, as a on a franchise tag. I think ultimately what they're going to end up doing is probably have them play out the year and then franchise tag him. And now you get an extra year out of it. They can franchise tag him up to three times. They're not going to do that because it's guaranteed to be a 20% raise from one to the next. And eventually you're going to bleed over into more than what it would cost you to just sign him outright anyway. But I'll bet, my bet would be that they that he plays the year and then they franchise tag him. That's my guess. No, I, I would agree with you on that too. I just, I, to me – you need, again, you're just going to have to have that support. I think oftentimes, again, I understand why in other places that position's viewed as disposable. It just is. And, Jake, that's not going away anytime soon. I just think that, especially nationally, 
in terms of of how it's broken down, it's never talked about here. And I understand because this is not an exciting team whatsoever. Not at all. But at the same time, I think that this position of value, everybody always talks about market value. Market value is gone at running back. I think the market value here with Taylor is higher than it would be anyplace else. So I think you're right. I mean, there's going to be much of a market for him outside of here. So some common ground resolution is, I guess, what you kind of would expect to happen ultimately, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately you'd expect that, but you know, I again, I, I'm I'm more conservative with it. To be honest with you, I, I think if you can use that, and, and again, they've got some cap flexibility. Granted, it's not like they're totally strapped for cash here, but I'd say you tag them for a year and then you you, you kind of kick the can in that regard, right? And you see what else is out there. But a lot of that just they need to find out where Richardson's development is, John. That's the that's why I say you tag them because that gives you two years to really find out whether or not Richardson's your guy. If, if I think after two seasons, you're going to know whether or not Anthony Richardson's the guy you ride with or you're back to square one. And that, that's when you can truly then determine what happens with Taylor. Oh, you said two years is what you said? I think two years is what it's going to take before we know for certain, don't you think? I think it'll be longer than that. That may, I mean, man. I do. I think it's going to be, <laughs> I think this is going to it's take, and this is going to take some, some patience and perseverance, I think. Uh, for a group that doesn't, and I again, I understand why you don't have it around here. A group that doesn't have it. I mean, to be fair, and I'm not, I'm not making this comparison because they both happen to be, you know, big, strong African American quarterbacks. I don't want people to think that, but I'm thinking of guys that turned out to be really good players that took some patience. Steve McNair is one of them. I mean, I remember McNair. You know, the first couple of years he was with, with the Oilers and then Titans. It wasn't like he just took off right away. I mean, it took a while. Uh, and then, obviously, he molded into a, just a really good player, an MVP-level player. I mean, he shared an MVP with Manning. So, maybe but, – but it seems like with most quarterbacks, John, you know if they're, re- if, they're sn- if they're regular starters, you know by certainly 15 to 20 games in, in whether or not you've got something or not. I mean, Trubisky comes to mind. You know, they knew – Around that, it took them about that time for them to finally decide to go ahead and and, and you know change course. I, Jalen Hurts, I'd have to look at to see. I can't remember. I, I know that he was put in obviously in unique situations, but turns out to be a great player. So it's across the board. But Richardson's young. I'll give you that. He is young, so maybe it does buy a little more time. Well, and, and again, that's one of the reasons why you pair him up with Shane Steichen. And there's a lot riding on you know, Shane Steichen and being able to coach this thing up sure. offensively to to make it work and you know you, you point to the production of the running back and with the success you saw with Jalen Hurts and that Philly offense a year ago there was a lot that had to do and don't get me wrong they have AJ Brown and you know what uh, Dante Smith and a lot of you know, talented guys offensively on that team which the Colts obviously need to follow suit and develop talented guys but one of those resided in the backfield too so that's uh I think something to watch for. If you were, and again, they don't have to pick and choose between either here, but if I were going to ask you, and I am here, would you put more value in production in what you expect to get on the field? Would you put more of it into Michael Pittman Jr. or Jonathan Taylor? 
who do you count on more? Who would you suggest more is going to deliver for this offense, what this offense needs? Well, the player that I think the player that I think is more let's assume they're both health, both healthy. Okay, let's start there. If both are healthy, the guy that is I think you can rely on to be a safer bet to say that they're going to have a great year would be Taylor because he has shown that when he's healthy, he's a dynamic player. I like Pittman's game. Now, that said, of those two guys, the guy that you need more than the other to have the big year would be Pittman because he's got – I just – I truly believe that from a court I, – I don't disagree with you that a running back is important to keep defenses honest to allow – to facilitate for the growth of a quarterback. But for a young quarterback, you've got to have – a receiver. You've got to have a safety net. Andrew Luck had it in Reggie Wayne. You know, people forget that that first year of Andrew Luck was Reggie Wayne's like, he was like born again and he was amazing and he had a great season and that really drew a comfort level for Andrew Luck. Peyton Manning had it, believe it or not, in Torrance Small. Marvin Harrison separated his shoulder. Torrance Small became a, a very familiar target for Manning and I think that gave him a comfort level. The other thing you need is is a reliable receiving tight end, but I think Pittman is a very important part of the the progression of Anthony Richardson. Yeah, you mentioned I, I say I say three years, and if you get to, for example, year number three and and year number two was a lot like year number one that you're going to have some some issues, but I, I think that that's because. 13 games is just nothing. And there is so much inexperience here. And I think schedule-wise, I think it gives you a chance week in and week out. Again, most weekends of the NFL season because the schedule is is not tough. But, Jake, if you're going to look at the over-under right here and set it at six, uh, there's no way in the world you take the over. Ooh, I'd put, it, I'd put the over-under at seven and a half. Really? You think they're yeah. going to win – you think they could win eight games? Based on schedule. I'm not saying they're that good, but based on schedule. Mm. I mean, Tennessee's still going to be figuring things out. Hell, you could sweep Tennessee and Houston. You could also get swept by them. Don't get me wrong, right? Um, yeah, I, I think so much of the NFL's health. But I, I'll be optimistic and say they could go 7-10 and 10 or 8-9. and nine. Man, I thought I was being optimistic saying they're going to win one more than they did a year ago. Even with that schedule. Again, my answer is based more on and I'm also curious to see. Maybe I'm also expecting. I I think with your scenario, then Jonathan Taylor does get paid because he's probably going wild. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue because they're running the damn ball. They're turning back the clock to run the damn ball hats of a year and a half ago. See, I, I just think. I heard earlier when you were saying that Taylor's more important to the Colts the way that they want to do things. I don't disagree with that. He might be more important to what they want to do. I just don't think that the way to win, that that's how you win in today's NFL. I just don't. I mean, I, I they know better than I, I guess. No, no, no. You're right. If you're talking about winning Super Bowls, you're absolutely right. But we're just talking about winning games in you know, your average you're week in September. Yeah. You're going Jim Moore. I just hope when you win a game. <laughs> See, that's when, when people bring up the argument of, well, look what Kansas City did. Well, okay. 
Yeah, I'll I look what Kansas City did because that starts with Patrick Mahomes and really yeah, starts I mean, and ends with him. And a well-rounded team will do that for you. But yeah, the Colts are, are far from any discussion involving that. No question. No doubt. And and again, like you and I have talked about before, there are times where I think to myself, it might as well be a two- to three-year window because when you've got Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, hell for that matter, Lawrence, I don't know if you saw ESPN did their annual survey of general managers, scouts, and different coaches around the NFL and asked them to rank the quarterbacks. And they asked them to only rank the top 10. But that's still gay. I think they asked them to rank the top 20. I'm sorry. And then amongst that, they released the 10 highest vote getters. And I mean, like all of them basically are the AFC. I mean, it's Allen, Mahomes, in no particular order Allen, Mahomes, Burrow. Herbert, Lawrence, I mean, they have all those guys right there. And Lawrence is only, I mean, hell, he's in his third year, right? And, I mean, Allen is, you know, just now probably in the second year really having come into his own. Mahomes is amazing and still relatively young based on his age. Herbert, I think the world of. So you might as well give it two to three years because – you're in the right-hand lane, and nobody right now in that traffic jam is moving you over into the left lane. Yeah, and I, I think that for – like, this is different in Jacksonville now. You can always kind of expect them to screw things up on their own, yeah. but they're they're past that clown act of Urban Meyer now. You've got a, a real dude, Super Bowl-winning dude as a coach. That aspect is not going to go away, and unless they're sidetracked by – you know, a major injury at quarterback. I, they are on the right track, and and uh, I just I just don't think that they're going to go away for the time being because of that. Call Urban Meyer a clown act. Here come the subtweets. <laughs> I don't think you've ever. Been uh, they, that was a lesson learned right there. And then you got to go with somebody that's that's real and a real winner right there and has won before and that i just think that's different i mean right their environment just looks completely different now than it did no question about it i mean it was that was a you know to me the the the, i know that obviously the urban meyer the the video that came out of him in the bar and all that and that's that's a whole different talk show but like the fact that he wasn't flying back with his team i just think it's weird i I don't know. I think it's weird. It just that right there. That looked like a guy that was just completely checked out and was there for a money grab. And I think those players saw it. And he never. I don't think Urban Meyer ever lost the Jaguars locker room. I don't think he ever had it. I think people just immediately were like, and it was amazing to me, John, because I thought at Ohio State for the first part of his tenure at Ohio State, I thought his teams were the most disciplined teams in college football, which is part of why I hate on the field, on the field. I'm not talking about at Florida where he was running. You know, they it was like it was like Oprah, like you get a charge and you get a charge. But but when he was at Ohio State, his teams were very well disciplined. And in Jacksonville, he looked like he had no control from the <laughs> you get a felony, you get a felony, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. exactly right. You get an indictment, yeah, it's terrible. Oh man, I don't, I don't know. I just look at, I look at it, it, it differently in terms of the AFC South, and I, I hope that people around here have, and I, I hate sitting here preaching patience because so many people have been you know sold a a bill of goods about the high levels to which you expect that clearly they haven't even come close close to reaching yet but uh i I think it's going to be 
that type of situation. I just hope, Jake, I hope it's a situation that it's the rookie quarterback that they're going to be lumps, that you take your lumps and you move forward. As much as I like Gardner Minshew, I don't want to see Gardner Minshew because that means that you have it not ready for anything rookie quarterback or an injured rookie quarterback, and you don't want either. I think one of the real benefits of Gardner Minshew is that Gardner Minshew totally understands that. I think he knows why he's here. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, one of those guys is probably going to be a 10 years from now, they're replaying the night he was drafted because he's on his way to Hall of Fame career. One of those guys is probably going to be, you know, a serviceable, nice Ryan Tannehill-type career, and one will be a bust. And I don't know which one's going to be which, but each of the three better hope that their guy's the first one. Uh, looks like a, a, somebody just sent me um, because he has not been active via Twitter or social media, but evidently on um, Shaquille Leonard's Instagram. Is this true right here? He um, he's working pretty pretty strongly right here, wherever he is, whenever this was. So fine work pretty strongly. Now he's like running around. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I, mean, I, can't, I can't tell he's running around in some grass. Does that pique your interest enough? Did I set the stage for you, get you interested? I mean, it's – man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he's, he's running around and doing cone drills in the grass. Okay. So. I mean, that's cool. Uh, listen, I, I hope he's able to go, and I hope he's 100%. He's a hell of a player. But yeah. He's got to be 100%. He's – he, his motor is such that he has to have that motor. That's what separates him from the rest. There's no doubt. That's absolutely right. If he doesn't have that, then that is going to be a struggle. Did you guys say you had Edron James on the show tomorrow? Edron James tomorrow at 745. We're going to ask him about the – I'm curious to know his thoughts, what the Colts should do about Jonathan Taylor, what kind of player he is, and the mindset going into camp. Did he come up with the term crunk, or was that his friend Little John? I think that was Little John, right? Remember Crunk? Remember when that was really popular? What was that, like 2002, 2003? Let's get Crunk. That's correct, yep. They even had a song, I think, didn't they? I did. Well, they played it all the time before kickoffs, right? At the Colts games back in the day? Do you remember the time that Bill Pullian let the locker room decide what music they were going to play? They played some song and it had like nine F-bombs the coach like we didn't they said out a statement we did not oversee we apologize i should have gone with the clean version i I don't know if i'm alone in this um like him or loathe him and i i did like him um the bill polling stories are the absolute best are they not they're the absolute best Countless, right? Here, here's here's where I give Bill Pullian a ton of credit. I was I was really harsh about Bill Pullian, and it, did, and it wasn't always fun. It didn't make me popular, that's for sure. Not that I mean I didn't have necessarily the, the platform that I do now, but not that I have a big one. But I'm saying I was the number four guy at the number five station. So did now. did he ever get into you? Is that did you have an axe to grind at all? I did not have an axe to grind. I'll tell you something interesting. I probably told you this a million times, but. When I was at Channel 6, the Pacers were the number one seed in the East, and the Colts were, you know, starting out 12-0 and every year. So I did, like, a completely lighthearted, fun piece 
where I took each player on the Pacer roster and said who their Colt equivalent was. And at the end of the story, I asked. It, the story ended with me asking Reggie Miller, are you the Mike Vanderjet of the Pacers? Because you're cocky, you, you hit game-winning threes, you, know, you win games when it matters. And Reggie Miller laughed and said, no, I'm not the idiot kicker. And like kind of laugh, whatever. And I actually tagged it by saying, maybe not, but let's hope that in the clutch he continues to be as, as key as Mike Banner's at or whatever. Bill Pullian, by the next morning at 9 a.m., I had like 10 voicemails from the general manager at Channel 6, which was not common, asking me to come in the building. And I went in, and he said, Bill Pullian has already called over here and said that if you if we don't get a written letter of apology to the disrespect shown to the franchise on official station letterhead, he is revoking your credential and all the WRTV credentials for the season from covering. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, like, really? And we, th- which never did happen. We never did deliver that. And then I saw him at the combine, and he said, I believe you, you, you disrespected this organization. You disrespected the franchise. And then later, at the end of his career, I was doing an interview with him, and I said, look, I was really critical of you and the way that you handled things from a personnel standpoint. And Bill Pullian said, you know what, that was probably a fair criticism because I was so intent on winning and focused that at times I probably mishandled just the overall. He knew everything, Jake. He he was aware of everything that was going on, everything. Oh, I, yeah. I know, but he, but he basically said, like, I was so – I was. He basically said, I, "I mishandled the way at times that I treated people, and I, and for him to and he said, and so your your criticism was probably very fair, and for him to say that, I think he respected that I admitted being critical of him, and I respected that he admitted that that was probably justified, and I gained a ton of. I mean, I already had respect for him as a football person for sure, but I thought that was super cool." And I gained a lot of respect for it, and I've always respected him for that. I, I got to go right now, but one final polling thing is: before I was allowed to go to the draft, I was at the other station, and, and this station at the time would not allow me into the draft building uh, because of some clown thing here, or whatever. You probably understand what that was. So I was sitting over at the Hyatt. And it was where a lot of the coaches and people were. And Bill Polian sat down with me. We were under the escalator, sat down with me. And one of my friends went over and wrangled Dan Rooney, the late Dan Rooney. And he started to bring him over. Dan Rooney, I'm going, man, Dan Rooney, that's going to be a great interview. And Rooney got halfway there and said, oh, freaking Polian sitting there. I won't get a word in edgewise. Forget it. And walked away. Totally believe it. Thought, man, what a classic story right there. But I, I missed the days when Polian was there, and it was winter time in the playoffs, and they put up portalettes in the parking lot, and the media had to go out and use the portalettes outside. That's beautiful. I love those stories, man. Those right. are the best. And winning, winning too was going on, which uh, made it all funny in, in, uh, in retrospect. All right, buddy, I appreciate you. Tomorrow morning, Edger and James, morning show. That's right. All right, thanks, John. You got it. Jay Query right there. Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Edrin James coming up tomorrow morning. Way over. Let us take a break. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
The Ride with JMV. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, good conversation with Jay Query. I love Bill Polian's stories. <laughs> I've got a lot. I've got a lot. He was never crossed to me. Um, and he came on a variety of times. And I told the story before about the time Mark Patrick and I was his producer back then. We were doing a show from the Colts complex and Mark walked down a hallway that was a quote forbidden hallway. He walked down the hallway to have a conversation with then special teams coordinator, Kevin Spencer. And uh, that didn't go over very well. I think friend of the show at the time that actually worked with the Colts, uh, Ron Sexton, uh, you know him as Donnie Baker. Yeah, that time Donnie Baker got called into Bill Polian's office. That should be some stand-up comedy right there. (laughs) I've told the story about... When NBC and Chris Collinsworth, this goes back to when Larry Johnson, I believe, was the feature back of the Kansas City Chiefs. And they were playing the Colts, maybe in a wild card game at the then RCA Dome. And Chris Collinsworth actually was doing an interview with Peyton Manning, and Peyton gave actual offensive calls that they used in that segment before the game on the air. And I've never, I mean, Bill was red-faced and screaming, absolutely screaming in the press box at Craig Kelly. Of course, Craig Kelly had zero to do with it, none. Uh, The former fantastic media person. Uh, Just good stuff. And you know what? The common theme was during that era, what were they doing? They were winning. And it makes those stories more enjoyable because that was a that was a winning time like joel asked me this do colts fans want success next season or play for draft position if i'm a colts fan i want to see success come quicker or let me rephrase i want success to come as quickly as possible because you guys have been waiting around way too damn long I'm just telling you, I wouldn't expect it this year. But in terms of wanting it, yes, I I hope that everybody's right. And I've been one to say that the schedule is very soft. But there's a reason why the schedule is soft, because of last year and the expectations of this year with the Colts. So... While you want to see success and you want to see wins and you want to make this season finally, I mean, when's the last time you had any stinking enjoyment? When was the last time? I mean, you go back to even the the Wentz season, you know, leading up to, and I, I talk about the last the last time you had any Colts enjoyment, other than I guess the Kansas City game last September here, was. That game on Christmas night in Arizona. 
but still you had to go through, you know, that entire season of yeah, you know, Carson Wentz and COVID tests and vaccines and, and there was no enjoyment really even leading up to that. And all those storylines and then it just ended so awfully. Now, these stories are made much better because of what was going on on the field, and that was winning. But no, Jeff, you're right. A segment or two with nothing but Polian stories. It was fantastic. And I kind of bridged the gap. I was back with Mark, and I remember, you know, the whole start of it, basically, or at least close to it. And I saw it from that side of things to the other. You know, actually having him on the show and talking to him and such. And the one thing I always thought, and I do this, you know, all the time, but you you really want to be focused back then when you talk to him because you knew he had his own Monday talk show and, and you knew he would tell you stuff. And you knew he would be the first person to tell you stuff within that organization. It was an amazing time. Uh, If those of you out there are not privy to it, then maybe one of these days, Jeff, you're right, we should kind of hold court in terms of what went on. And we see when we look back on the field, but also what went off conversationally off it. The Dan Rooney story was absolutely fantastic. Like my friend, and at the time I just had friends of mine, Doug Wiggin, Kevin Kuntz, they were friends of mine, and they would just come down to the Hyatt and help wrangle guests for me. I wasn't allowed to go inside of the stadium in the combine because I was with a different station. So I would get as close as I could or at least be in a center in which you would get you know, some notable action. And Bill Polian came over and sat down and talked to me. And then <laughs> Koontz ended up, I don't even know how he saw him on the escalator. There's Dan Rooney. And he was bringing Dan Rooney over, and Dan Rooney said, hey, you know what, forget about this. Bill's going to suck up all the air in this interview. Great. That's good stuff. And and this is like who's who of NFL history, too. Great stuff. Quick break, and we'll come back for a final time. Jake Query, Chris Denary, Greg Rakestraw. The podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, 93.5 and 107.5thefan. The Ride with JMV. Get him a body bag! Yeah! All right. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right. Did the Reds wiggle out of that situation? Let's see here. Yeah, right now. Bottom of the eighth inning tied at two. Man, that'd be nice. The Reds so need to close this one out, win this, and then win the regularly scheduled game this evening against the Giants. Uh, That is over at Great American Ballpark. Again, the game that was suspended from last night because of the rain. uh, In the bottom of the eighth inning, and the Reds and Giants are tied at two. Same two teams coming up a little bit after 7 this evening for what was a, or again, regularly scheduled game. 
John Buzzard writes this, the Bears were the most exciting three-win team of all time with Justin Fields as a rookie last year. I'll take exciting and high draft pick, getting greedy. Um, while that is going to be, John, I think the likely outcome, I don't think you have to hope for that because, again, that's going to be the likely outcome. I would just suggest that you hope for you know winning to come when you don't expect it. Because in the past one, two, three plus years, you've been told that it's coming at a high level and been disappointed. It hadn't happened. So that is, that's my thought on that. That's a quick thought. But certainly... Certainly, the schedule is conducive for a team that's not great to be able to win games. But I don't know if I would altogether expect it. So I think, John, your your scenario probably holds true. That's what I would expect. It's from Steven, the Colts did not improve in one position besides kicker. They're going to be lucky to win four games. I set the over-under at six. Everybody fine with that? Uh, JMV, the Colts need to take John Malkovich's advice regarding JT from the film Rounders. Teddy KGB, everybody. Thank you, Rex, for that. That made me laugh a great deal. Uh, JMV, if you're talking about fried bologna sandwiches, there is none better I think I hit that a little bit earlier, Chad. Sorry about that. Recession special. What is that down in Nashville, Tennessee? Yeah, that was brought up a little bit earlier, and I am on board with that being brought up. A big fan of it. JMV, I heard you talking to Kristen Area a little bit earlier, too. How many games do you think the Pacers improve this season? Where's your expectation? I know we're a ways away, but I'm just curious as a huge fan. Pacers fan. Thank you very much, George. George, I would suggest 10. I've said that all along, 10 games. Uh, They improved 10 games a year ago. And even though organizationally, they're still staying quiet about it, very reserved about it, much like they did last year, and rightly so, what you do is you stay quiet and – You overproduce. That's kind of the hope with the Colts this year. You want to see them overproduce. I'm setting the bar at six and taking the under on six. You want to see them overproduce for you. So I would say 10. 10 more to get them around 45. If you're setting a bar for the the Pacers coming up this year, that's where you would put it. That's where you would expect it. Hey, JMV, I also heard you talking to Chris about that that in-season tournament. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that you're taking a chance on nearly anything. I don't know how this is going to go. I will say this. I was very pessimistic about the whole play-in stuff, and that's worked out. I believe it's worked out. So you might as well, while you're on a roll, go with this and see what happens here. But I was not a fan of the play-in thing. That worked out great. Honestly, with some of these changes, I kind of kicking and screaming got to them, but then enjoyed them. The the play-in, I've enjoyed it in the NBA. The pitch clock in Major League Baseball, I've enjoyed it. 
So I have understood now, broadening my horizons, opening my mind a little bit, has worked out. I think it's been to the betterment of both, both the NBA and Major League Baseball. What is it? Free your mind and the rest will follow. Shout out to En Vogue. James, great job out of you today. Rakestraw, Denary, and Query. The podcast will be there, 1075thefan.com. You guys have been absolutely outstanding today. How about we fire this bad boy up again tomorrow and do it all over again? Have a great night. Back with you tomorrow with three. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Thank you all so much. 93.5, 1075 The Fan. Have a great night.